Hello, and welcome to the Great Birth Rebellion podcast, where we grapple with current research to help you get the best out of your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey while still challenging the dominant birth culture. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Jackson at Melanie the Midwife, and I'm joined weekly by my co host, B from Core and Flora Store, and this is The Great Welcome, Birth Welcome, everybody, Rebellion. to this week's episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. B is back with me here today. Last week, it was myself and my work wife, Ashley, because we were talking all about what midwives do at a home birth. You and just drink tea, don't you? And yeah. Yeah, crochet, because knitting's too oh. noisy. Knitting's got a ticking sound that happens. Knitting is not birth considerate. No, crocheting is much more in line with the midwifery philosophy. And one day I want to run a crocheting for midwives course because I think it's a really important skill, gets you in a state of flow, it clears your mind. You know, there's people, Michelle O'Don has spoken about the knitting midwife or the crocheting midwife it should be. You know, that's important. And actually, we're on topic today. We're not off topic. People are going, oh, my gosh, they've already started babbling about other stuff. We're on topic because today we're going to talk about how to set up your space for a home birth. So what to get? Because the number one question I get, you know, from people who haven't home birthed is, oh, my gosh, but isn't it messy? And what about if, you know, what about if the, the house is too small? And what if I live in an apartment? And what do you do with all the blood? And how do you, yeah. So we're going to really nut down the nitty gritties of like, how do you set up your space for a home birth? What do you need to get ready? Because you've already hired your midwife, hopefully, or if you're free birthing, you don't have a midwife. But how do you set up for a birth? That's what we want to talk about. And, you know, I bring my crocheting, but you don't have to bring your crocheting to a birth. Okay. Two things. Yes. They're here. There's so many people that are like, I'm here for the bubble. Like she's here for it. Actually, three things. Second thing is people have already signed up for the crocheting course. Thirdly, based on the fact we've already had one HCCC uh, complaint, let's just say as APRA registered midwives, we're not allowed to recommend free birth. Can we just add that in? I completely, my, but you know, my PhD is in free birth. I know. going to get reported to the HCCC about free birth. Surely it would have happened. The backstory is, is a few weeks ago. We haven't recorded an episode since we got. I reckon it was your most popular Instagram post ever. It was. <laughs> Every time, you know, people love, it's like watching a, it's like watching a train wreck. You know, you can't take your eyes off it. If there's some drama and action happening, so back know If you've come to this episode, you're like, what are they talking about? B and I have often, because we toe the line between, you know, we're, we're kind of on the fringes, I guess, this great birth rebellion. And so in our minds, we know that what we say on this podcast might upset people uh, who are really interested in in maintaining the status quo of what's currently happening in the maternity care system. So we assumed that one day this podcast would get reported to APRA, to the HCCC, which is, you know, if you've got an issue with a midwife in Australia, you report them to APRA or the HCCC. Uh, Health Care Complaints Commission. Correct. That's right. And so uh, last week or the week before, 
it finally happened. We got report the, the podcast got reported. Finally, it's happened to us. We got reported. <laughs> oh my gosh. And we're not celebrating the process. I mean, you know, the no. complaint came to me. It's on my record, but uh basically someone complained and the HCCC and APRA looked at the complaint, they investigated it and they decided they didn't need to take any action because we're doing just fine. We're not doing anything that is in breach of our registration and we're not a danger to the community. And that's what they are there for is they're there to take dangerous midwives off the street so that they don't hurt people. So apparently we are not hurting people. The complaint was really concerned that women were listening to our podcast and making healthcare decisions based on what they learned from this podcast. That was the crux of the complaint. So, I mean, guilty is charged, I think. I was like, she's not lying. The person who reported us, not lying. We, they're not wrong. We're providing information and people are making decisions on that. But yeah, we know that it's tricky because a lot of what we present from the evidence actually goes against a lot of policy. So we always knew it was going to happen. I would probably be encouraged more if we got more. <laughs> I was so inspired. I'm like, yes, this is the kind of motivation that I need. When someone tells me you can't do that, my mental voice just yells out, watch me. And so this was, the, it's just the best thing. It's the most motivating thing it's happened to me this year, I reckon. Honestly, I was like, thank God I needed some inspiration. And there it was in the form of a HCCC. need to feel something. Somebody, somebody. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for the report. Oh, oh thanks for punching me in the guts, universe. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to move on from that. All right, uh, so let's get this party started. We're going to talk about, yeah, as I said, all of the things that you need to prepare if you're planning to give birth at home. This is my itemized list. This is a list that I give my clients. So when they say, oh, my gosh, what should I get? Oh, getting <laughs> Mel's personalized list. This is And without even signing up and having you as our midwife, this is exclusive. So, and, and actually, if you're on the mailing list, you'll get to see this in on paper. You can actually print it off yourself. It'll be in the resource folder. So this is the list that I give my clients. And if you're a home birth midwife listening, feel free to go ahead, go in and get that list and just print it off and poach it and use it as your own. This is public information. I'm giving it out. It's got no branding on it. It's all yours. All right. It needs to be a bumper sticker that says, don't worry, the midwives clean up the mess. Yeah, well, let's yeah, always well, joke about that. That's a great segue. Let's talk about mess and what you need to do in order to manage it at a home birth by going through this magical list that I made. All right. Okay. It's super practical. You can hear all these things and go, yeah, duh. But you don't have anything, you know, in hospitals sometimes that they supply things that you didn't think about and you don't have to think about. But at home, you've got to think about everything. So, Let's. Uh, this is no particular order. It's not alphabetical. It's not in order of priority. It must. I literally must have sat down one day and spewed content onto a piece of paper, and it's just stayed that way. So, there you go. First, oh, you're going to see my list, and you're going to be disappointed by your list, but that's okay. Yours amazing. Yeah, mine is like a downloadable, interactable. 
branded. It's beautiful. Mine's very beautiful. It cost me a lot of money though. Um, And that's that's next week's episode. You don't get to, you don't get to know about that list until next week's episode. Yeah. So this week we're doing home birth supplies. Next week we're doing hospital birth supplies and B's got a beautiful expensive list to give you. Mm, Fancy. Yeah. Mine's the. um, All right. Let's hear your word vomit. All right. Okay. First thing you need is heat packs. Whether it's hot water bottles, wheat packs, something you can strap around you. I've seen all manner of most expensive to the cheapest hot water bottle I've ever seen. And it was a woman who literally filled up a plastic water bottle with hot water and put it on her belly for afterbirth pains. I was like, that bloody works. Absolutely. Anything you can put hot water in is a hot water bottle. You know, but you can pay for comfort. So hot water bottles are nice, but you can use any heat packs you want, whether or not they're filled with hot water or hot wheat, either way. But these hot heat packs are part of your pain management and comfort strategy. So have those, have multiple, because you might need one for the baby when it's born, one for your belly for afterbirth pains, one for your lower back, one for your shoulders, one for your front, like just have one for your partner. Can I just say, if you do have a microwave and you don't have a heat pack, what we used to do this in hospital, and this is a tip for those, those midwives that work in hospital that don't have um, access to heat packs because not all hospitals do, we used to wet a towel and microwave it. So you wet a towel and microwave it. Now you have to be super careful, really careful. Do not sue me if you get burned here. You have to be super careful because the towel gets really hot. And so we used to take it out with like tongs and put it into a plastic bag. And then I know this is doing all the bad environmental stuff here, but we didn't have heat packs at this hospital I worked in. This is what we did. And then we would put it into a pillow slip and it makes the best heat pack ever. So wouldn't you have just poured hot water over the towel? Why yeah, I- you could have. Yeah, but that would have probably gone against Ocal and safety. Because then the whole- towel in the microwave, that's totally on. Totally fine. Okay. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, you can do so you could just put hot water or you can microwave it and then put in a plastic bag so that it's not the wetness doesn't seep through. And then put the plastic bag into a pillowcase and it works wonders. Well, this is another, I mean, you could do that at home too if you wanted to pour, if you have any hot water bottles, you can either use a plastic water bottle and just put hot water in it or do bees fancy microwave or hot water trick. So heat packs, that's the first thing on the list. All right, next thing you want to have, and I encourage women to put all these things in a box through their pregnancy in one spot so that they can mentally check off that, yeah, they've got everything that they need. and you know, their support people and partners in the middle of the night don't have to wonder where everything is and if half of it's in the dishwasher and the other half's in the cupboard, just put it all in a box so you know where it is and you can mentally check out of that, know that you've done it. All right, a drink bottle or a big glass with a straw. Now, the straw is the important part. The vessel, choose whichever vessel you want. But when you're in labour, you don't want to be throwing your head back to try and have a drink. You just want to sip it out of a straw. And the straw has to be really accessible. The number of times I've seen a poor laboring woman try to fish out a straw from the middle of her drink bottle because it's fallen in. If you're offering a woman a drink, hold the straw, aim it at her face and just tell her, drink's here. And 
she can take a sip with doing very small movements. So please invest in a big, big cup. You could get a tumbler or something that has like a straw in it with a lid so that you don't knock it over, but you can fill it up really big, really big. Uh, yep, so straws. All right. This is about comfort and setting up your birth space because we carry on a whinge about the bed in the hospital, but now we're going to tell you about what the alternatives are. So um, set, I recommend everyone get a birth ball. Uh, collection of pillows that you're happy to get birth goop on, a floor mattress or a foam mat for the floor, and some bean bags or something. You basically want to create a nest on the ground that your knees aren't going to get sore if you're kneeling, that you can lie down onto, that you can use for all various manner of things. But you want to have a comfortable birth nest in your home. Uh, a breastfeeding pillow plan, that's what's on the list. So basically, the minute you have your baby, you've got to start feeding it. And usually that's from your breast. Uh, some people will choose to bottle feed, completely your choice. But what I notice things missing in a home birth space is enough pillows to actually physically support the woman who's just had her baby for their first breastfeed. And these pillows will carry you through your breastfeeding journey. But really think in your mind, what pillows am I going to prop myself up on for my first breastfeed? Sometimes your placenta is still in there. Sometimes, you know, your bum hurts. So you might need to be in a really supported position. So breastfeeding pillow plan so that you're comfortable when you're feeding your baby. Uh, two buckets. Now, we always end up using these for something either to vomit into, to catch the placenta as a bin, as a, you know, a dirty towel bucket, all kinds of things. Have two, keep one super clean and there can be like one kind of dirty one for, you know, poo, blood, gloves, vomit, all that kind of thing. And one that's clean that you can use for pool water and bits and, and the placenta if you want to. That's that. Oh, yeah. Incontinence slash disposable underpants. Now, these are for the first few days after you've had your baby. They we sell these in our shop. They're really epic. They're called partum panties. They're like proper postpartum ones because the incontinence ones are super expensive. Um, and they're, I've, yeah. Yeah, I love part and panties. And so these, I really rate these, the disposable undies, because the first few days that you're bleeding and spending most of your time in your bed, and if the only reason you need to get up is because you need to change your pad because it's full, that is so infuriating. So you want these undies because they soak up a lot of the early days, the blood from the early days without leaking through and going onto your sheets or your undies or your new beautiful jammies, if that's what you've gotten, because I know some women get themselves new pyjamas for birth, which I totally endorse feeling gorgeous in your pyjamas. We should have got Peter Alexander um, sponsorship for this. That would have been really nice. Great birth rebellion pyjamas. Through Peter Alexander. Maybe. We'll see. That's a discussion for another day. But, yes. 
Um, and you mentioned the placenta, a bucket for the placenta. They, you can get, and again, like heat packs, you can make your own or you can get super fancy ones. So we always used to say it's the best uh, excuse to eat a whole tub of ice cream because those ice cream buckets work really well for placentas. But you can get beautiful dishes now. I don't know anyone personally that makes them, but there are people that make divine placenta bowls that, um, yeah, really beautiful. Yeah, there's a lady in the mountains here, actually, who does that. Depends what you want. Yeah, some people have some real ceremony around the placenta, so you can make some decisions about how you want that housed in the short term. Oh, and talking about ceremony, um, what people do with the cords as well, because people will have lots of ceremonies with the cords, so if you want to do that, you'll need equipment for that. Yes, I think that might be on my list somewhere, along with the container, placenta container. Gosh, this is a good list. We're, we're about like an eighth of the way through, by the way. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you want dis- you want disposable undies. Don't get like some people get like a 12-pack. I don't know. I think you need less than that. I don't know how many are in the part and panty packs, but don't get more. Don't get more than I reckon six is enough because you're going to very quickly move on to just maternity pads after the first few days. So that's my next thing on the list, maternity pads. Just, you know, throw those in. You're going to bleed for a week or two at least, and then you'll need panty liners for another two to three weeks after that. All right, snacks. You need really easy bite-sized snacks for you, your partner, your support people, your midwives if you want to. I mean, I bring a little snack pack. But it's always nice if you run out of the house to think it's all right. I know they'll have some snacks in their pantry. I'm a professional pantry raider. Um, I once ate, oh, I was pregnant at actually, oh, my friend. She's my friend. One of my really, really good friends now, actually. I was pregnant, 27 weeks pregnant with my second child and I was at her birth and I was starving like I was I was like I think I'm gonna pass out I was so and I get really nauseous when I'm pregnant if I get hungry so I was just snacking all the time she had the biggest box of strawberries in her fridge they looked like that she must have like got them off a farm or something like it wasn't what you would buy in a shop anyway I thought oh I'll have a couple of strawberries so grabbed a couple of strawberries they were delicious and I just kept going back to the fridge and eating strawberries before I knew it the whole thing was gone and I thought oh, my gosh, I wonder if she's actually bought this pan of strawberries and thought to herself, after I have my baby, or, like, I'm going to eat these strawberries. And so I had to go in there afterwards before I'd even offered her a meal and confess that I'd eaten all of the strawberries. It was – anyway, snacks, um, bite-sized, dates are really good, bliss balls, fruit, muesli bars, things that are easy for you to take one or two bites of, um, but also that your partner can eat on the move. Uh, I'd have I'd have a dedicated snack box. Oh, here we go. Here's something we'll get reported for. Um, Arnica pills. Has it- <laughs> <laughs> we sell Arnica in the shop too. Hey, Arnica. People might not know about this, okay? Arnica, so I, I first trained as a naturopath, so I know about this because it's homeopathic medicine. But Arnica's worked its way into mainstream medicine, I believe. It's You can buy it in chemists and health food stores and I think even Woolies and Coles and all these regular stores. You can buy it. Yeah, there's heaps. We sell a spray and then cream, like it's, yeah, everything. Yeah, 
So I recommend getting the pills, particularly because um, after birth, you don't want to be putting the cream on any open wounds. So you're not thinking like rubbing that stuff on your peri perineum after you've had a baby. But Arnica is really good for injury, bruising, swelling, sort of deep aches. So if your perineum or your vulva is swollen after birth, Arnica is definitely your remedy. It's good for afterbirth pains. Sometimes your bum hole hurts, like your hemorrhoids are a bit swollen. It's sort of feeling a bit bruised and sore. This is what Arnica is for. Now, I would recommend following the recommendation on the follow the instructions. This isn't like just a vitamin pill that you can just keep taking. Homeopathy, you take it until you start to feel an effect and then you stop. The only thing homeopathic medicine is good for is for triggering your body's natural healing response. And so Arnica will trigger your your body's natural healing to bruising and deep aches and sort of that kind of trauma and swelling. So once your body's acting, you stop taking the Arnica. So follow the the uh, the pack guidelines. You'll see how to use it. But that's when I use Arnica pills, and you start right from when your baby comes out. There's no real known side effects if you follow the recommendations. You can have it while you're breastfeeding. You can have it with other medications. So. Uh, it's natural. Yeah, you can get it everywhere. Super cheap too. That's the other bonus is that they're really cheap, couple, like 4 or $5 for a pack. Okay. Now, if you're planning a home birth and you'd like to have a water birth, then your midwife will hopefully, or you can hire a birth pool. And so, I mean, I do that. I have three birth pools. The, the two next women who are due get one each at their home and I have one in the car in case somebody jumps the queue and ends up sort of going into labour and doesn't have their birth pool yet. Uh, so I provide that with a pump and a pool liner so they can actually do that. But what I don't provide is the hose that goes from the tap in their house to the pool to fill it. So I recommend a food grade hose and you can get these at Bunnings. They, they're often either like a light blue color or a clear color. They're not, they don't look like a garden hose, but they use them in caravans and boats and things. So you can also get them at boating and caravanning and camping stores, but food grade hose and you want enough length that will go from the tap that you want to attach it to to where you're going to set up the pool, but then also from the pool to wherever you're going to drain the pool out of. So food grade hose. Uh, I'd buy a brand new one. Don't use one that somebody else has used. You want this is the water that's gonna that your baby's going to be born into. So keep it as clean as possible. Um, okay, pooper scooper. This is for for again people who are planning a home water birth is when you're actually pushing your baby out, you might do a little poo as well, and that's okay. And we just scoop it out with some kind of sieve or pasta strainer or I've seen people use like the little nets that you would get fish out of a fish tank with, but I don't like those because it's hard to knock the poo out. Like if you scoop up a poo in those little nets, sometimes you can get trapped in there. So actually like a strainer, because they're usually solid and you can sort of tap the poo into the toilet. So that's on the list. All right, what's next? Okay, plastic drop sheets. 
I reckon at least three, depending on your situation. If you've got floorboards or tiles, you might not need to put your birth pool on a drop sheet, but you will need it for your couch and maybe your bed if you're you know, moving about the space. And so it's about protecting your floors and soft furnishings from blood and goop and things like that. You can get really thin, cheap ones, you know, that usually you would use for painting and things. But, um, yeah, that's on the list. All right, old sheets. And you can use that as well over the plastic covering so that you're not like plastic, like walking around on plastic for your whole birth. You can actually put some nice fabric over the top of the plastic to walk around on and, you know, you can get these cheaply and you blood comes out of stuff. So you can wash the sheets if you want to or you can just get rid of them. All right. Now, you need more of these than you think. Towels. Don't get less towels. Don't think, yep, six should do it. No, it won't. Ten to twelve, mate. Ten to twelve towels. If you're having a water birth, this becomes way more important because if you're getting in and out of the pool, you need a couple for the ground. You know, we use them as blankets. We use them to dry the baby, we, you know, all kinds of stuff. So heaps and heaps of towels. Um, face cloths, about four of them at least because we're going to use them to wipe your face when you get hot in labour. But also if you're out of the pool, we're going to use them as a peri, perineal compress on your, um, on your peri. Um, and I'm going to say my tip too, and I've realised I have a home birth checklist it's in my pregnancy program um but it needs probably needs an update and it's branded as well um but it's not publicly accessible so we'll have to probably update it and make it publicly accessible but a thing that I used to tell people a lot was make your bed then put a tarp over it then make your bed again so then if you do any kind of labor or birth on your bed and those sheets are dirty, you just strip those sheets, take the tarp off, and then you've got a nice clean bed underneath. It's like the number one home birth hack. You just have fresh sheets to get into. It is is amazing for postpartum just to get into clean sheets. I call it, I call it the bed lasagna. Yes. So I tell women, make your bed lasagna. But but I find you got to be careful because some of the plastic tarps, like they, mm. they don't breathe. You can feel a bit sweat, like it gets mm. a bit sweaty. But, yes, you know, add that to the list of things to do when you're in labour for somebody else to make you a bed lasagna. And then you do everything. When you're ready, you're showered or whatever you want to do, you've got your big maternity undies on and your new yummy pyjamas and you've got your baby and everything's done. And then you just take the top layer off your birth lasagna if you've used it and in you get your beds ready because you don't want to be making the bed after birth. Everyone's tired and they don't want to do that. Um, so, yeah, mattress protector is was on the list. I For those of you who have not got kids yet, you might be living in a world where mattress protectors don't make sense. But can I tell you either when you're having a baby or immediately after, mattress protectors will forever be part of your life because mess happens. There'll be tea that gets spilt, breakfast eaten in bed, babies spewing, there'll be spewing, you'll be sweating after you have your baby when your milk comes in. Like I swear, so stinky. Postpartum is so stinky. And Mattress protectors were always a part of my life. Were they not always a part of yours? Well, I got married when I was 18. I still, 
I didn't know what level of cleaning I had to do to maintain a house. I learned very, very quickly. But mattress protector wasn't on the radar for some time. Um, I remember being married for almost 10 years. And then when we had a baby, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's spewed on the bed and it's going to wet the mattress. What do we do? And I was like, oh, this is what mattress protectors are for. Uh, yeah, no, I that was uh, that was very much part of my life. I love how different everyone is. So cool. People might be anyway. If you're if you're childless and don't use a mattress protector, you will it's, soon know. Welcome to the mattress protector world. Hundred percent. Put that on your list because it caught me by surprise. I wish someone had told me to get a mattress protector. Uh, I just thought mattresses were safe from they didn't need protecting. I'm just, I'm just a bit disappointed given your ethnicity that you didn't know that. I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like that's like I was. So I don't know. I was just so free and loose as a teenager, and then without really, your mattress protectors. Yeah, and now look at me. I'm so grown up. I got mattress protectors on every bed. Um. Okay. Moving this on. This has probably been the most annoying. Less. Um, podcast to listen to because we're just having too much fun but hopefully you're just enjoying it with us they're like they've already logged off and just downloaded the list (laughs) yeah yeah, i'll just go to the resources these girls are bats i don't have time for this (laughs) (laughs) all right mattress protector next you if you're having a home birth you can't just throw your placenta into the human waste bin like they do at hospitals you need a way to either store it or dispose of it and if you want to throw out your placenta, which is fine, you can throw out your placenta. We've got a whole list on what to do with your placenta. So um, a whole episode, sorry. So go ahead. You can listen to that. But basically a container of some kind, a four-liter ice cream container is a good size for reference. You don't have to eat a four-liter ice cream container in order to get the container. You can, believe it or not, buy containers that don't have anything in them for the purpose of putting in a placenta. So, but that's the size you're basically going for for placenta container. Um, Okay, here's a fun one. 12 pack of condoms or maybe a six pack will work. Now, here's why. And B's got a fancy product in her store that that you'll see. But if you want the cheap version that'll cost you only 12 condoms, Oh, don't scrunch your face up. I'm no, I'm trying to figure out how much condoms are. Uh well, I don't it's been a really long time. I'm gonna look it up while you talk. Now I have questions about your contraceptive decisions, but we'll talk about that later. Um don't use any. I know my body. I've never used contraception. There you I, go. Those who actually listen to this podcast just got bonus bits of personal information. Yeah, there you go. Okay, but if they've gone this far, if you've gone this far, you deserve this information. If they've gone, they, that's it. They don't get the privilege of knowing what your contraceptive decisions are. Okay, so uh, 12 pack condoms. Now, what, what you're going to do is before you go into labour, please, not after, or during maybe would be okay. Fill them with water, kind of halfway, tie them at the top, lie them flat so they kind of create little ice packs. 
and freeze them separately flat on a tray in the freezer. And then when they're all frozen, you can put them in a container or something else to keep them clean. Stop shaking your head. I'm giving details. I know, but, hey, I've looked up condoms. They've gotten really fancy and expensive since. um, And that just is messy. Just buy these beautiful perineal packs. They're like 18 bucks. They smell like calandra and lavender and they're heat and ice packs and they're soft and they go into undies and they're super easy. Just don't stuff. Like who's got time to stuff around with condoms? Anyway, what I'm saying, make these ice packs are the perfect size for your perineum. Don't insert them. People are like, where do I put them? I'm like, not inside your vagina. No, they lay outside, wrap it like a paper towel over them or something. They're nice and flat. There's no sharp edges. Like you're not going to use a kid's ice block. Some people say, oh, just use a zuper duper or ice block. I'm like, no, they've got sharp edges and they're plasticky. But these are food grade. They're clean. They're soft. Um, and then they actually defrost in the right amount of time. Like once you put them on there, they're, they're almost fully defrosted in 20 minutes or so. And it's just the right amount of ice to put on your sore vulva. And so I'd have these frozen ahead of time. And then when they get blood on them, and they will, because you'll be bleeding when your vulva hurts, they can be disposed of. And then that's it. B, how do you wash those packs, those reusable ones? Like, because women are bleeding. What happens? They go on the outside. So there's they there's ones that come with undies. So you put the pad on the undies, and then they go through that pad. Yeah. Um. And and so they go on the opposite side of the pad because you don't want them sticking to your skin. You want the no, pad there. Well, that's why we use the um. I just tell them to wrap it in paper towel and you put it on top of the pad. So it does get blood on it, but the paper towel gets blood on it and so does the condom. But then you get the application of cold on your peri, like it's right there. There's a few options there. But definitely an ice source for your perineum is what you want because you're going to want to ice that baby after your baby comes out of it because sometimes your vulva hurts and it's a bit swollen. Uh, Okay, this, again, there is a fancy option for this, but if you want the cheap, option go to the two dollar shop and get yourself a plastic sauce bottle um, that you can use to spray water over your peri while you're weaned and there are peri bottles that have the most beautiful shaped spout that means you don't have to do like gymnastics to spray your perineum the other thing i have seen women do who haven't bought anything is just used a pump bottle you know with those like with the spray top pump bottles or even a glass of waterworks to just basically flow water over your peri while you're weaned. And sit on the back toilet backwards. Sit on the toilet backwards. Bet, good angle. But, yeah, we sell the peri bottles too. We sell everything. I feel like now we're just going commercial and marketing, but the peri <laughs> bottles are cool. And it's, you know, you never know when they're going to come in handy again. Like your partner has, you know, a colonoscopy or whatever's going on. Or a bidet. We talked about bidets. Putting a bidet in if you've got one. And peri bottles can be passed on. It's not like they're unhygienic because it's not going to touch your vulva or your weed. There's just water coming out of it. So it's like, you know, it can be passed on. It's not like a dirty item that somebody else won't want to use. So if you're done having kids but you think, oh, I've got this beautiful peri bottle, uh, you can, yeah, use that. All right. On the list of things to do is have your baby capsule or car seat installed by the time you're 36 weeks. And this is part of, and yet last week we talked about transfer planning. This is part of that. 
it again, it's about mentally ticking off that you've done everything, but also, a, you know, a transfer strategy if that should happen for your home birth. Have a collection of rubbish bags or plastic bags, something that makes it really, really easy to dispose of soiled things without somebody having to rummage around trying to find plastic bags. Uh, okay, this is really important. A source of heating, heating or cooling. So if you're giving birth in winter, you are going to need to warm the space up for when your baby's born. We can't have cold drafts and fans going, and it's really important to keep yourself and your baby warm after the birth and during and while you're waiting for your placenta. Alternatively, I can't think of anything worse than giving birth in the middle of summer and not having a cooling option. So really think about how you're going to make your birth space comfortable temperature-wise. Again, this is not something you have to think about in hospital. They control the temperature. You've got no control over it, but this is something you have to consider. And hot water. Yes, hot water system so often and it needs to be turned up or there needs to be an additional way of getting hot water if your hot water system is not sufficient so big saucepans that you can boil or an urn if you've got that because we constantly need to keep adding to the birth pool hot water to keep it a, a comfortable temperature and sometimes hot water systems don't cut it especially if you've spent a long time in the shower yeah exactly that's something that I talk to my clients about before they've had their baby, like do they have continuous hot water, uh, having pots on the stove and boiling those. Some people get an urn that can be helpful. Some people use a camp stove as well if they need to boil water. But having some big pots and, and gloves to hold the big pots with, you know, like oven mitts and stuff like that. Yeah. And then you talked about the heating of the space and so the lighting of the space is super important too. Yeah. So how yeah. can you create a light atmosphere? that is going to feel good for you. Might be fairy lights and flags and affirmations and all those kinds of things that you're going to use to set your space and create a dedicated birth space that's going to feel really safe and comfortable. Um, the next thing that's on the list is just all the baby stuff, nappies, baby's clothes, all the first few days. Um, tissues. Oh, my gosh, the amount of times that we've needed tissues at a birth for just various things. Spoil yourself. Get some really nice soft ones. I always add those to the birth box. Uh, okay, so now this is something people don't like to do, but I always encourage everybody, pack uh, what I call the postnatal slash transfer bag. And this is basically the bag that you just have at the door that you'd pick up if you do end up transferring to hospital from home. And if you don't want to think about it as a transfer bag, think of it as a postnatal bag. So when women are trying to decide what to put in this bag, I just tell them pack whatever you would need for one night postnatal. And even and if you don't use this bag to transfer to hospital, it's the bag that you can bring with you into your bathroom for your first shower and it's got everything you'll need for just one overnight. Uh, so Yes, it's per. I want to say two things there around it being triggering. Just a lot of love if it feels triggering, and also just as somebody who sits with people and does a lot of one-on-one -on -one birth preparation chats and birth debriefs, if it's got a bit of a charge, I recommend working through that because if you're planning a home birth, the reason you'll be transferring will be because of need, and you want to feel safe with that. Um, and so whatever charges there it is very much worth working through. So just a lot of love and, and a, a little invitation if it feels right to work through it. Secondly, 
I've had two home births and those bags were awesome because it had everything I needed for postpartum for all my support people to just grab. Um, So as Mel was talking about, have everything for birth in a box, have everything for you know, immediately postpartum and postpartum in a bag because then you're not walking around your house trying to find things or directing people on where things are actually kept. It's super, like I had my silverettes in there and all those, you know, all the pads and the perineal wash bottle, they just all lived in that bag. So it was with me no matter where I ended up. Everything was just easily accessible. So it's just just super handy and practical. The last thing you want is your partner or support person to be packing you a transfer bag when you're all trying to get out the door and then you get there and all of, there's just this hodgepodge of stuff thrown in a bag, the undies you didn't like, the old pyjamas you never wear, like, and you're just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is just a kick in the teeth. Not only am I at hospital, but i got all the stuff I don't normally use or like. And so, and you're right, this just saves people from yelling out from the shower going, can somebody get me my pajamas? And we're going, which drawer are they in? And everyone's like, I don't know. Um, so, yes, that bag is magic. And it just, you literally just pick it up, take it into the bathroom, and boom, you've got everything there for your first shower. Uh, yeah, put everything in a big box. Uh, the other thing I really encourage people to have is some kind of electrolyte drink. So either coconut water or, you know, you can get commercial electrolyte drinks. You can get powders. There's all kinds of stuff. I give my clients a recipe for what I call Labor Aid, which is an electrolyte drink. Um, You'll see the recipe for that on the list. If you're on the mailing list, you can see the recipe for Labor Aid. But when you're laboring, you're doing a lot of work and you've got to stay hydrated. And if you just drink water, that doesn't really necessarily keep you hydrated. You've got to replace all your electrolytes as everything as well. So electrolyte drinks. Um, that's the end of my list. And then just basically whatever other people feel like they need to have in their space. But that's kind of the practical stuff. Well, I want to say listen to next week's episode then for all the postpartum bag stuff because you'll need that too. So just even though you're not planning a hospital birth, highly recommend listening to that episode. We'll try and be a little bit more succinct. We've had all our fun in this one. Um, I think you mentioned garbage bags. Yeah, I said garbage bags. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, Mirror, did you say that? Well, I've got a mirror. I have a mirror in my birth kit, so I don't recommend that women get them themselves. But, yes, a mirror if you want to see your baby coming out. But I've got a mirror that I have that I use, yeah. Playlist and speaker. Oh, yeah, it's not on my list, but it's part of, like, the birth nest, like, supplies. But, yes, speaker. And your affirmations, which can be part of your altar. And I'm, and then what do you do with the TENS machine? Do you hire your TENS Do you have a TENS machine that you take for people to access? Yeah, so I have one TENS machine and it lives in my birth kit. So I would apply it at the birth and then obviously put it back in my birth kit afterwards. So okay, I don't. So if the midwife, because not all midwives will have that. So. Yeah. And then I've got things like pain management tools. So like we have, we sell the birth weapon or a comb, stress balls. Some people like things like rescue remedy and stuff like that as well. Um, Any kind of massage balls um, or massages are great too. So often like a tennis ball or just like a beautiful, we sell these beautiful cork massage balls that we use for like fit like self-massage like rollers and stuff Um, any kind of massage tools that feel really nice 
And then if you do any kind of essential oils, massage oils, or hair bands, making sure you've got lots of hair bands, and that's in the hospital checklist too, but you need that, um, and lip balm because horse's breath can make those lips pretty dry. So that's where you kind of want that in your birth kit. Um, and I've just started selling, and we used this at a birth recently, was the birth sling. But, yeah, absolutely epic uh, tool at home as well just to kind of labour with. So, again, if you're a midwife listening to this, maybe you want to get one for your birth kit. And then a fully charged phone at all times. And then a stool. If you're not pooing with a stool already and then you don't have a stool in your bathroom, make sure you've got that, especially just if you are sitting on the toilet at any stage during the birth of your baby or the birth of your placenta, really wanting to have those feet flat on the ground. So I've got that. Oh, and a container for your, if you've expressed colostrum to be able to transfer your colostrum, pop that in that postpartum bag. Yeah, we'll do the postpartum section separate because that'll often be, well, be the next episode people take to hospital, but that's all I had to add. I'm sure there's lots of people that are like, you forgot this, you forgot that. Well, I was going to say, I'd love if if there's something that you really benefited from having at your home birth or if your midwife told you some other fancy secrets you know like we've got our own little every midwife's got her own little things like I like my frozen con the frozen condom trick and you know, I'm sure every midwife's got some fancy little thing I'd be really keen to hear from you because I mean we're great to make an extensive list and I can keep adding to the list that's in the resource folder and then we can all benefit from this master list of supplies that we could possibly have at our home birth. And also you don't actually need that much either. I just want to say that. Like you really, a few towels and, you know, if you're pregnant and not planning a home birth but you still want to listen to this, it's so, I think, you know, it's actually an important episode to listen to if you're planning a spontaneous labour at home. Because like, well, you're going to labour at home. You want to labour at home. Um, and so having these tools for a home labour, maybe we should call the episode that tools for a home labour and plus or minus birth. Yes. Because it is, it's about home labour as well. Good point. Yeah, but I often just think about, you know, when you get ready to go camping, there are people who will happily sort of blow up an air mattress and sleep outside and you'll still be outside camping. And then there are people who have all these fancy doodads and setups and everything. Or They're caravan. Still, or caravan. You know, like I just think it's about really consciously preparing for the fact that you'll be welcoming a baby and to make it as comfortable as possible. So yeah, that is our episode on what to set up if you're having a home birth or home labour. And actually, it's also not too late if you are interested in home birth or becoming a home birth midwife. Actually, today is when I've started this one week free resource that's happening this week 16th of October is today and it's not too late to join that and actually in the show notes there'll be a little link if you wanted to get a free week of information about home birth or becoming a home birth midwife it's not too late to join because it's going all week you can do that uh if you're listening later and it's not and it's beyond the 16th of October you can still join that. It'll just be your benefit next year when I run it again. But just a little reminder of that. It's not too late. You're still welcome to join that and you'll be able to catch up on what you've missed. All right. 
Well, that's our episode today. And we'll see you next week when we're going to talk about what to pack for your hospital birth experience and early postpartum. We'll see you in the next episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. See ya! Thanks for listening with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite podcast platform and join our mailing list at melaniethemidwife.com. Mel sends out weekly emails with access to all the evidence we use in this podcast. You can find out more about Mel at melaniethemidwife.com and find out more about me, B, at coreandfloor.com.au. We can't wait to bring you next week's episode of The Great Burt Rebellion. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> All right. <laughs>